0: Good morning. It's good to see you. It's great we can be together. Uh, Several of us over the last week before this were in and out different times to the lectureship down in Branson and uh, I think all of us had a very enjoyable time, a profitable time uh, in hearing God's word preached. You might think about scheduling some time next year. It always starts Sunday of Memorial Weekend and runs through the next Sunday. Worked out well because some went the first part of the week and some went at the last part of the week, but uh, anyway, if you can work that out, you might want to think about doing that next year. It would be uh, beneficial for you, I'm sure. Uh, Do notice around, we're missing a lot of people this morning, so notice around, just notice they're gone, reach out to them. Let them know we'd love to see them here. See if there's something we can do for them, uh, so that they can be with us. Sometimes I think it's interesting to ask people, "Well, what can we fix so you can be here?" You know, sometimes we can fix it. Sometimes we can't. But anyway, let's reach out and see what we can do that way. Uh, we're in Colossians chapter one, as we've been working our way to, through it. Today we're just going to be in verses 13 and 14 and. I always think about whenever I go through this, and I think about if I'm to expository preach it, boy, it would take me forever if I do it to the detail, so I try to highlight a few things here, but one thing that hits me here, at least in the New American Standard in verse 13, and he rescued us. I don't know why, I just told Tammy, it reminds me of that song that came out, I think, in 1965 by Fontella Bass. Rescue me, you know. But anyway, I think about that. You know, you only need rescued if something's wrong. your car's broke down on the interstate, you need rescued. If you're in water and you can't swim, you need rescued. We need rescued sometimes. When we're in a predicament, we can't get out of ourselves. Well, this is definitely going to talk about spiritual things and the hold that sin has on us. But it did me. When I cross reference this word rescued, how many times it's used in, in the Old Testament, but with all kinds of battles and warfare, but in the New Testament, how many times it's used. So I want to mention a few of them. And the first time it's mentioned in the New Testament, it's used derogatorily against Jesus. That was interesting. If you got your Bibles, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 27. And this is at the crucifixion of Jesus, and as you look, I'm going to pick up at verse 42. The word "rescue" is used in verse 43. A quote from Psalm 22 and verse 8. But he says he saved others, talking about Jesus. He cannot save himself. Well, you would be wrong. He could, but he cannot save himself. Is he the King of Israel? Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe it. They're just. They're just throwing all kinds of insults and ridicule at our Savior, why? Why he's given his life on the cross for our sins and even for theirs. He says, and they quote, and see, they're gonna. The Jews are gonna know this quote. Jesus trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if He delights in Him. For He said, "I am the Son of God." All that is true. Did God rescue Jesus? On Sunday morning, he was raised from the grave, never to die again, Descend into heaven and one day return and take all the faithful home. They just didn't understand the plan. Therefore, they didn't understand the sacrifice. Therefore, they didn't benefit from the lavish amount of spiritual blessings that are found there. But the first time I read about rescue in the New Testament, they're slandering Jesus with it. So that goes shows you can pick a really good word and use it in an evil way. They're kind of using sarcasm. Aren't they? So that was interesting. I had to mention that one, but I want to show you many places where it's just used exactly like it's used here in Colossians 1 and verse 13, where it says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. That sounds like a deal to me. So turn back to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1. The opening remarks. Go to verse uh, 4 of Galatians 1. I guess I better get to Galatians 1. Talking about Jesus. He gave Himself for our sins. Wow. So that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father. Why Jesus give himself? For our sins to rescue us. Now, I'm not going to get into it yet, and I'll get into it here a little bit later, but who else could rescue you from that? Surely if you get enough good people to... Surely you can rescue your No. So in opening the letter to Colossae and opening the letter to the church of Galatia, he both talks about how Jesus rescued you. In this one, from this present evil age, he's going to rescue us from the pressure and the outcome and the cost of evil in Colossians in the domain of darkness Well, that's not the only place. Go with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to this one. 2 Timothy 4 verses 17 and 18. He says here, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. So he says, he's going to rescue me right out of the lion. That sounds like you're in a pretty tough situation if the lion's got you in his mouth you're about to be bit and ate alive i mean you need rescued right now i mean now or it's all over now i know i can look at what peter wrote about a lion at least someone that roars about like prowls about like a roaring lion the devil himself that's the re- the devil that's the lion he's talking about being rescued from He said he can rescue us. So Paul, they never harmed Paul, right? They did a lot of physical harm to Paul. Was he rescued? Yeah, he was rescued. You know, finally, his life here on this earth ended. And by everything you can read of Paul's life, he was welcomed into eternal bliss and comfort forever. And he's been comforted ever since. You think about that, Stephen was stoned to death, but he was rescued. If you look at this, look what he says there in verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his kingdom. Now, many times the kingdom is talking exactly about the church, but the church is different than any other organization on earth and it's different than all other kingdoms. Jesus would even say, well, my kingdom is not of this world. So it isn't a physical building. It isn't even physical restraints of physical lives and physical people. It's eternal. And when you enter into the kingdom of God, you enter for how long if you remain faithful? It's here and goes right into heaven. And so when you look at that many times, even though the kingdom would apply to the church almost every time in the New Testament that's used, But sometimes it will talk about the church while it's here on the planet and when it's in its eternal reward. Wow. So God's going to rescue us. He's going to rescue us and take us home to spend eternity with him. Does it mean we won't be bumped and bruised? If you're in the mouth of a lion, and someone rescues you from literally from the mouth of a lion, what are the chances that there might be a few teeth holes and scratches on you? If the lion's got you in his mouth, you're hurting. Not that you can't be rescued from it, but don't think while you were in the lion's mouth, because you're already there, that there wasn't some harm done on one level. This is a great one. He rescues us. Wow. Turn with me to another one. Go all the way to uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. And then I'm going to back up again to uh, verses earlier than this in the New Testament. But 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. The Lord, I love this verse. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation so-called Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Lord, he asks, lead us not into temptation. Now, I know we're all going to be tempted, right? And we're not going to be tempted. I don't have time to cover all this. We're not going to be tempted beyond what we're able. In the midst of temptation, when we need to pray for a way of escape, who who knows how to rescue us from that? You notice this doesn't even talk about being rescued from sin. This talks about being rescued from the situation of temptation before you sin. Maybe the better thing is, you know, you've heard people, well, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Too many Christians live like that. No. This has that idea, I need to get the Lord to save me now, rescue me from the temptation itself. I tell people often. I mean, I could say so many great things in the, that's recorded in the New Testament about heaven, but my favorite thing, the thing I look forward to most about this life ending and being rewarded by the Lord is this. No more temptation. Now, that's rest. Satan, when I get there, Satan cannot touch me. He cannot tempt me. He has no access to me at all. I, I don't care what else. If you give me that, I'm good with whatever else there is. Satan can't touch you. Now, I know from that, you know, a lot of times when it talks about eternal life, we think about that has to do with duration. Well, the word is even bigger than that. It talks about duration and filled and overflowing. So it isn't, you know, let's say you live a miserable life and you're hurting all the time and you can't get out of bed and all your teeth fell out and Turned loose and your eyesight's gone and you know, you can't hear nothing, and you can't do anything. But the Lord's gonna let you live for another three hundred years, but that's how you live. Oh, I just shouldn't be out of here. No, heaven's not like that. Eternal life's not like that. Well, you gotta be here, but you gotta lay around doing nothing. No it's an abundance like we've never experienced here on this earth. So he rescues us even from temptation. Turn to another one with me. Over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians 3. Oh, when I got to this one, I thought, man, I'd like to cover a whole lot of 2 Thessalonians 3, but I'm not going to. Just look at verses 1, 2, and 3 of 2 Thessalonians 3. Finally, this is not the finally of my sermon. This is the finally of 2 Thessalonians. Finally, brethren, pray for us, pray for us, That the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. We need to be praying about that all the time, still, right? We need to be praying that here in this day and age, in America, where we live, whatever towns we live in, whatever street, that the word of the Lord spreads rapidly. And then we need to know what that means, our part is, besides praying about it. And that we will be rescued. From perverse and evil men, for not all have, there's no perverse or evil men anymore, are there? It's hard to find the ones that aren't. Rescue me from these perverse, you know, it's kind of interesting. People, I'm one of those people that kind of like what my grandpa always used to say. You need to call Bible things by Bible words. So I think about this so-called, it makes me sick to say it. Mistakenly called Pride Month. Well, I'll tell you what the Bible says. That's perverse. Therefore, that's perverted. Therefore, the people that participate in it are perverts. That's the Bible term. Okay, there's other Bible terms we can use, but when you deviate from God's plan, you pervert it, right? If I teach the gospel, but I say Oh, yeah, you do need to hear, you do need to believe and confess and repent, but you don't need to be baptized. Did I just pervert the message of God? I changed it. If you were born a male, you pervert things when you change that. You were born a female. I don't care what you change on that. And all of a sudden, well, I was born that way, but that's not who I am. So I guess God put you in the wrong condition. I want you to think how insulting that is to God. And therefore, then it winds me up. Wow. It's just amazing. I won't get into too much of that. I just think about it with how all that stuff's in our face right now. This month, more than other places. Don't give me that. If you think you're going to say that to me and I'm not going to say something, you have no clue who Kendall Fox is. And I don't care where we're at or who's saying it. I'm saying something. They might. Throw rocks at me, stab me with a knife, shoot me, whatever. I'm saying it. Because I think when we don't, we participate in their evil deeds. Wow, I don't. I won't preach that sermon today. Turn with me over to 2 Thessalonians, this idea of rescuing me. So he's going to rescue us from perverse and evil men. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's pick up right at verse 10. Now you followed, talking to Timothy, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. Wow. And he followed him in everything, didn't he? Um, This happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord rescued me. Does that mean he didn't have the persecutions? some people, well, he's going to rescue me from that persecution. Doesn't mean you won't get out. It doesn't mean you're going to get out of the persecution. Matter of fact, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. So persecution's coming. But God will rescue me. What's that mean? No matter what happens here. No matter what happens here, if I remain faithful to the Lord. He will rescue me from my sinful life and welcome me into heaven. Rescued me. Rescue me. Sometimes we have life so good here that we don't think we need rescue. We're not even sure we really need heaven because we sit in comfortable chairs, wearing comfortable clothes, eating more food than we should. Having more money to spend than we do, and we're not so sure heaven's going to be much better. I think I read somewhere that the love of money is the root of all evil. So don't think that physical comfort, that's not what we're here for. Sometimes to be a Christian, you have to give up some things, even physically. Some of you were raised in a different situation than I was. So some of you were converted later in your adult life. And when you become a Christian, after a week and two weeks and a month, you found out, oh, I got to give that up too. Oh, I got to give that up too. Oh, I got to give that up too. You didn't really know. Well, man, oh man. And they were things that are sinful, but they were enjoyable to you. Have you ever known sins enjoyable? It would be easier not to sin if it always hurt, right? Every time you sin, it just hurt like a toothache. Surely you'd give it up. Although I know people that have pain like that, but they'll harm themselves. In anyway. there's something wrong with you. But it's not that way. And it's enjoyable on a physical level for a short time. I mean, the rich man, Lazarus. The rich man had was living high on the hog here, right? Probably shouldn't say that about a Jew, right? He was he was living life good. Man, it was a miserable existence. How about for the last two thousand years? How's it worked out? <laughs> wow! So He rescued us. Turn back to Colossians one. There's a lot more passages about God rescuing us. First of all, you got to ask for help. Could you? Let's say someone was drowning and you try to rescue them, but and I know this happens. They flailed on you and beat you and they'd like to drown you and you finally get away from them and they're not willing to accept any help, man. They know they're just willing to drown. Sometimes we're like that with God, aren't we? We're fighting Him all the way. Now we need to submit to that rescue. So he says He rescued us out of the domain of darkness, and He transferred us into light. So I think about some passages. The first ones, just turn with me over to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John 1. I'm going to just do verse 5 and 6 and 7 in 1 John 1. Listen to this. This is the message which we've heard from him and announced to you. So you better listen. God is light. God is light. And in him, there's just an inkling of darkness. Oh, I didn't read it correctly? I perverted the message, didn't I? No, there is no darkness at all. How much? No darkness. Darkness, well, how does that mean? Kendall growing up in Kansas, there ain't none. There's no darkness at all. We say we have fellowship with him, with God, and yet walk in darkness. We lie do not practice the truth. What would he say? If you still live an ungodly life, that's contrary to the teaching of the New Testament, right? Don't tell me, don't then you tell me you have fellowship with God. You can't have fellowship with God because he's light and there's no darkness. So if I have sin, can I have fellowship with God? Uh Uh-uh. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, me and God, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us, rescues us from all sin. God rescued us, now how do we show appreciation? By walking in the light, by not living in darkness. And sometimes we don't understand exactly what this light-darkness thing is because, you know, you got a light on, it's light, turn off, it's dark. Well, we're not talking about physical illumination, are we? We're talking about something different. Matter of fact, look in the next chapter here in 1 John 2. Let's, get, let's go right to verse 8. On the other hand, I don't have time to cover it all. I am writing a new commandment to you. Oh man, I got enough old ones. You didn't have to give me a new one. I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Because darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Is darkness and the benefits of darkness, walking in darkness, are they temporary and short-lived? Yes. The one who says he is in the light. Notice in most translations that light's capitalized because we're talking about Jesus. And yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. Hates his brother. You ever been done wrong by brethren? It's easy to be mad and hate them. don't have to fellowship. Well, you can't fellowship. Them. Not in staying the light. But what you need to work for is not harming them, but is converting them. We have to desire real, true repentance. We already dealt with confession in chapter 1 and verse 9. So we have to try. Sometimes we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we forget, Well, just you know what, this is going to be crude, but they're on that path, they want to go to hell, just let them. No. Now we've got to try to rescue them the way the Bible teaches, not some way we've come up with. Because sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to do that. Well, that's contrary to what God said. That can't be right. So we've got to do exactly, and I don't have time to cover all that today, but you look. You're here. It is. You're in one of. You're either in the light, or you're in the dark. Yeah. Right. Someone says, "Well, I'm always in the dark." What's that mean? They don't know nothing. There's a lot of people when it comes with the relationship with God and knowing God, they don't know a thing. They're in the dark. And we don't need to remain in the dark. We need to study to learn what He says. Let's look at some more of this idea of leaving this darkness. I also love this passage a lot too. Go over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses here, starting at verse 6. Listen to this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That's usually what they do. They say a lot, but they don't amount to nothing. For because of these things, the wrath of God, oh, don't get God worked up, comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness. But now you are the light in the Lord, walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in their unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Let me read a few more. For it is disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. The bad thing is, some of them are just thrown out in the middle now. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light, but everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason I say to you, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Listen to this. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. Wow. Light and darkness. Here it is. The whole thing kind of laid out right here, isn't it? So let's look at another one, in Ephesians. Let's see, wraps up the book of Ephesians. Go to chapter 6 and verse 10. My point is going to be made in 12, but I'm going to read a few more verses than that. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That sounds like a good deal. How do you do that? Well, you put on the full armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay? Full armor. And our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against rulers, against powers, against worldly forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God. Okay, the full armor of God. Now he's going to tell us what that is. So that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. It involves truth. And put on the breastplate of righteousness, it has with doing it, living righteously. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, you ought to know the gospel, be ready to share it. In addition to it all, take up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Does it ever seem like devil, the devil gets the best end of you? That, you know why? Faith weak. If the arrows get through, your faith's weak. You've got to build your faith up. Take the helmet of salvation. Yeah, salvation's the crowning part of the whole um, armor of God. He says, Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wow. So he's going to rescue us. Do, when he's going to rescue us, does he ever give us a part in the rescue? Yep. He says, you got to put on. I tell you what, how come you're not wearing the helmet? Why'd you leave that shield at home? See, he's going to rescue us. He said, I gave you the whole armor, and you don't even wear it. So now you wonder why the devil gets the best of you. I can't rescue you if you won't use what I give you. You think God might feel like that at times? I think with Kenley, he says, "Man, boy, you are pretty dense. It's hard to get you to catch on to anything." We, I work hard and fail miserably, and you know what? When I do, I beg for his forgiveness, and I try harder next time because I want to walk in the light, and I want to be rescued into his heavenly kingdom for eternity. Okay, jump back to Colossians because we can't miss this next verse here, real quick. Someone fix that clock back there. Take it down. Throw it away. Uh, redemption and forgiveness. Romans three twenty three. How many have sent? How many of you have sinned? All of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three. What's that cost you? You get the death sentence. Let's find the electric chair. Matter of fact, let's rig some up. Someone, John, go get some two twenty, and uh, we'll put this. We'll make us. Look, we use one. Of, ah, aluminum's not a good enough conductor. We got to find some copper. So. Anyway, we can. We can. Cookie right here today. Okay? He's not talking about physical death, though, is he? Something much, much worse. Being separated from God forever. That's spiritual death. So the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Redemption. Redemption. That means to buy something back. It's been sold. Now you're buying it back. You ever done that? Sold something inside? decide you want it back. And you told, Man, I really want that back. Three times money. I want it, so you're willing to pay even more than it's worth. Let me ask you this: God won us back. Did He pay more for us than we're worth? Wow. Turn to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians one. If you go here to verse seven and eight, He says, "In Him, in Christ, we have redemption. We've been bought back through His blood. That's the price." the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. I remember going to a friend's house once when I was a kid, probably maybe late grade school or junior high, and his mother made us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And that was the stingiest peanut butter i ever seen on bread in my life. Now, I'm telling you what, if you watch me make a peanut butter sandwich, you're going to say, are you going to use a old jar? I didn't call it a bread sandwich. I call it peanut butter. I'm going to lavish it on there. I'm going to put a lot. I want a lot of it. Well, how's God do a spiritual gift? I'm going to put it on you like you've never seen. That's what you get in Christ. Not a taste. You get the whole thing. More than you could even enjoy. That's how much. I'm going to lavish it on you. This redemption. This forgiveness of sin. Just a couple other passages, real quick. I'm going to mention. I'm going to turn to one, and then mention the other ones. Um, Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews nine. Look at verse twelve. It says, "And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His Jesus own blood, He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption." Jump on down. In this text of verse fifteen. For this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that since death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressor, that's how he spoke to that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Even those under the old covenant, and even these under the new covenant, when Christ died, is that what took care? That's what redeems us. Jesus Christ and his blood. In Acts 20 and verse 28, it tells us that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. See, this is the Franklin County Church of Christ. Franklin County just happens to be where we're located. I'll tell you whose church it is. Because I have people ask me, "Well, Kendall, where's your church at? I don't have one. I thought you are a preacher. I'm a preacher. I just go to one of a Church of Christ. Christ's church he bought it he paid for it you know you could have you ever lived in somebody else's house I lived in my mom and dad's house for a lot of years it was their house I lived there you know I'm alive in the church of Christ his house but it's his house he makes the rules what great rules they are So I think about it as we wrap this all together. I think about another idea with that redemption, that forgiveness of sin. You know, when Peter preached the first gospel sermon, and the brethren wanted to know after he finished preaching, I don't know, maybe he's still in the middle of preaching, I don't know. In verse 37 of Acts 2, they said, "What shall? Now we've killed the Savior, what shall we do? You know what he tells them? Obviously they believed or they wouldn't say that. But he tells the first thing you need to do, you need to change your ways. You need to repent. Now, sometimes we can get weak on that, that people need to change. Some people want forgiveness of sin, but they're not willing to make any change. Well, you don't get it. There. I mean, it's relatively easy to hold your breath and let someone shove you under the water. The guy doing the shoving under the water is the guy doing the work. He's got to get you back out of there. All you do is hold your breath. Okay? But how about repentance? How's that go? Woo! That's the tough part. If you ask me, of all the plan of salvation, maybe belief can be tough at times. I'm telling you, maybe even speaking up for the Lord and confessing Him on a regular basis. But I'm telling you, repentance. I like change if it's the change I want. But it, when man's change that's tough for me, I want to give it to someone else. So, redemption lord if you're not right with him today because you've never obeyed the gospel he wants to rescue you. all you've got to do is obey the gospel if you're a christian and you've strayed from the truth and you've sinned and you've not continued to walk in the light he wants to rescue you again don't leave here if you're not in a safe and saved situation if you need rescue he, wants to, he offers that if we can help you